Welcome to the Talking, Learning and Teaching podcast. In this episode, we're talking the PhD journey with Dr. Amal Abu Zainab. Amal Abu Zainab is a senior lecturer and the Institute Head of Research Students in the Institute of Architecture at De Montfort University. Amal is currently supervising three PhD students, has supervised four PhD students successfully to completion and has examined four PhD students. She served as the co-faculty head of research students for the Faculty of Arts, Design and Humanities between 2017 and 2020. Amal has created toolkits to build capacities for both PhD students and supervisors, including the PhD Supervision Mentoring Toolkit, PhD Completion 7 Principles and Checklists for Writing for Publications. Enjoy the episode. So hi, Amal. Welcome to the Talking, Learning and Teaching podcast. It's really great to have you on the show. Thank you, Kevin. Really delighted to be here. So it's our great pleasure. So today we're going to talk about the PhD journey rather than supervision, because it's about more than just supervision. And when we spoke in our pre-podcast meeting, you said that your own PhD journey was really, really good. Why was it really, really good? What made it really good? Okay, so when when we talk about a PhD journey, for me, is really we have got three components there, and and I'm really just for clarity, I'm saying those three components, and once we have those three components right, I think the PhD journey become really interesting and very useful one. So the first component is the PGR themselves, and and then the second one, which is the supervision team. And then the third one, which I can call it the conditions or the institution condition, the support that is available for both supervisors and the PGR. And, and for me, my experience was really good because all those three conditions were really great in a sense. So for me as a PGR at that time, we're talking about 2011 here, at that time, um, I would Again, I would describe myself at that time as really I was kind of, let's say, fine in terms of health. I was uh, really kind of like self-selected to do this PhD. No one has said, go and do this PhD. It was a sponsored PhD at that time as well. So I didn't have to worry about any financial issues and so on and so forth. It was full time and I didn't have any kind of, let's say, caring responsibilities or other responsibilities in a sense. So I was really dedicated to the PhD in that sense. And then with the supervisor, someone was really interested on what I was doing, um, responding to, let's say, to um, feedback and issues and so on and so forth when they arise. And when I look at the conditions, we we kind of like at that time, it was we had almost like two sets of supports in a sense. We had uh, the general university support, which is available for all PGR, lots of training, lots of support and, and, and so on and so forth. But also what was really useful within our school at that time, it was a school of built environment. Within the school, we had um, a set of training sessions. Uh, it was almost like two hours per month, and that's just purely for the school. So it kind of like brought us together as a community of PGRs and the other supervisors in a sense. So you, we kind of like had that sense of kind of like curious communities together. We are bouncing ideas, discussing things. And, and again, as a full time, um, I used to have kind of like a physical space within the university. So again, that feeling of, let's say you have a home, you have a place to go do your study, 
do your thing and then you go home just literally for maybe do other other things. So for me, those were kind of like really the components that made my PhD journey really, really good. Sounds like it was fantastic, actually. And obviously, we we talked a little bit in our pre-podcast discussion about the role of the supervisor. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more depth and detail later on in the podcast. I mean, you also said previously that you heard from some colleagues about their experiences on their PhD journey. And they said that their experiences weren't so good. I mean, what were they saying that wasn't so good about their own journeys? Were there anything was there anything specific that they highlighted that really felt impacted on their experience? Yes, I think it was, I would say again, two, like two main things that were coming a lot at that time. One is about the kind of like the supervisor who is really absent or the supervisor that they are not interested in the PhD itself. Maybe they have taken this PhD just to kind of like a ticker box or something like that. So they were lots of complaints around that area. And the second one, which around the conditions. So some, um, let's say some colleagues were, were kind of like talking about that the conditions were not fit for purpose in a sense, especially when they go through some personal issues or maybe they have got health issues or something like that affecting their studies or their PhD project. They kind of, their complaints were around, okay, the system is not there to support them in a sense. There is nothing that would almost, um, let's say, deal with that situation in a sense, which it does affect the PhD at the end. So I think those were like the two major points that they were raising around um, why the PhD was kind of like a really a suffering journey. Yeah, I, I think they are quite common complaints, aren't they? Particularly when people talk about sort of absent supervisors and, and that yes. type of thing. I've got many colleagues that found it very challenging in, in that respect. You mentioned that for some time you've been using PERMA as an approach to supporting learners on their PhD journey. So PERMA, for those that aren't familiar with it, is a model of positive psychology. Tell us a little bit more about PERMA and how you've used it in your PhD supervision. Right, yeah. So with um, with PERMA, it's got, let's say, as you said, it's, it's kind of like a model from the positive psychology and it's been uh, founded by Martin Seligman, who is kind of considered the, let's say, the founder of the positive psychology. And the PERMA has got five dimensions. So it's really about human flourishing, in a sense. If we apply those PERMA dimensions, it will lead to human flourishing. So it's been scientifically uh, done, in a sense, and it's been kind of like a very research based if we talk about each dimension, so the uh, P stand for positive emotions and the E for engagement, R for relationships, M for mattering and A for achievements. And the way I looked at it, I said, OK, if this is something already there, available there on the positive psychology and is being said that it will lead to human flourishing. So for me, the question was, as a supervisor, it's almost like, OK, how I can... Um, supervise in a sense that it will lead to kind of like a really flourishing PhD journey, not just during the PhD, but beyond. Because when we look at what is being said about PERMA is kind of, yeah, it's it's kind of like, let's say it's a framework, it's a way of things or a framing. And if you follow that, you can have both the personal and professional flourishing. And for me, again, when I look at a PhD, I think there are two main components in a PhD. First of all, it's a very challenging thing to do. 
So I think that's that's number one. And number two, it's a self-select. I don't think anyone should be pushed to do a PhD. It has to be a self-select because at some point you will almost that that challenge usually is kind of like really it does increase with the years and every year is different and the challenges are different. So for me, the only way to get you through it is that is something that you really, really want to do. And I think that's what kind of keeps people almost finishing and staying and doing their PhD despite all those challenges. So for me, it's almost there are lots of things that already embedded within that kind of say thing in a sense within the uh, self-select PhD. For example, okay, if I select to do this PhD, then there is kind of like a positive emotions here where I have selected to do this, then I can manage to do it. And then if we look at the engagement, engagement, when we look at it from a, a positive or like from a psychology perspective, they talk about almost like being able to stay with challenging tasks and difficult tasks and you still engage with them and you use your strength. And if you need support, you go and find that support to come and be uh, and, and be able to do that. And then the relationship, because again, with the PhD, you have got those very close relationship with the supervisor. Uh, you kind of like rely on them at the start, especially at the start of the journey and everything. But even until you finish, you still you need your supervisor to be able to, let's say, nominate the assessors during the PhD journey. They need to find the examiners for your PhD and, and all those stuff. And then at the end, we and, and the mattering part, which again, when people, they, as I said, because it's self-select, so it does matter to them that they want this PhD and they kind of like have a vision about what I want to do after the PhD. And then the achievement is hopefully um, you have the kind of like the PhD at the end. But also I think what what's, is really, really important because the PhD is very long term, we need to kind of like think about achievements along the way. So it might be a dissemination, it might be going to a seminar, it might be um, kind of like organizing a network or something like that. So there is little achievements along the way, or maybe a publication that could be done, um, a data collection that is really interesting. And then maybe you can come and share what happened within that data collection. So I think that's, that's the kind of like the starting point of it. I thought yeah, it would be really, really useful to use it and to test it in a sense and to see what will come out of it. Yeah, I mean, there was so much of, of interest there from from me listening to that. I mean, I, I, I really sort of hung on the bit where you sort of talked about, you know, sticking with things when they get challenging and, and you know, yes. continuing to, to, to go on even when it's tough and when it's difficult. And there's a, the, a very big aspect of that is kind of about self-regulation. And I think a PhD student needs very, very strong self-regulation skills because, I mean, certainly my own experience, you know, there were some very dark times where I felt quite yes. lost and quite alone <laughs> and a bit stuck. And, yes. and, you know, having the self-regulation to try and work through that um, wasn't easy to find. I mean, in terms of the next question, I mean, why do you think PERMA is or could be a useful approach to supporting learners on their PhD journey? You know, if you were going to sell it to us, what what would be the main selling points, do you think? 
<laughs> I think the clarity around it, as I said, is being something that already clear is being done in the positive psychology. We know that. And what we are doing, we almost adapting it to something that is we know is very important, the PhD journey for the PGRs. And we know it's a long thing. So there is definitely kind of like a space for it to almost adapt and to change. And yes, you still have those dimensions very clear, identified. But then how we use them and how we articulate them or even how we um, practice them, I think it will be very different from one supervisor to another supervisor. But also I kind of like see it as a useful way for reflection as well. Let's say uh, usually I always encourage the PGR to really to build the reflection practices because it's really important around, okay, how you learn. Uh, what kind of like the best learning you do at what, what best times and, and so on and so forth. So for me, that that kind of reflection point using, let's say, those dimensions uh, when maybe things are really, really getting difficult or getting very hard. And then you kind of like feel, OK, what's going on here? And we can use those as a reflection. OK, which point? Maybe the achievement point. Maybe you are not achieving stuff. Because that the nature of the PhD, we don't have to achieve all the time. We have to, we make progress. I think the, we could focus on that progress. We say, maybe I'm not achieving, but maybe let's just focus on the positive progress. Maybe I can do that. Maybe I can go and collect this data, or maybe I'm struggling with data collection, for example, and access to the, um, if someone, let's say, from a social sciences, they have difficulty of accessing people to get, let's say, the data that they want. So it, for me, it's really useful framing and, and a way of to kind of like reflect and check things. And also um, at the different stages of the PhD, we can definitely almost like adapt it and see, do we need to change something? Do we need to change the way that maybe we are interacting now with, with the PGR or even with the subject or with the discipline? Yeah, I mean, again, there was a lot in there that was was really resonant for me. I mean, you, you mentioned there that the PhD journey is a long one, isn't it? And yes. I mean, the, you know, this idea of flourishing is an important one as well, because I think when I reflect back on my own PhD, it changed me as a learner and the way that I learn. And, and, and what I said before, like, you know, developing mm. those self-regulation skills and yes. and knowing how to sort of navigate the various challenges that you face with a PhD so I think you know it sounds like PERMA could be an approach that could certainly support that sort of long journey where there are multiple transitions and we'll talk about some of the transitions uh, in a little while because I know we wanted to pick up on those I mean what have you, your PhD students told you about the PERMA approach that you use I mean is their feedback positive? Okay, that's that's a really good question. So what I have been almost without asking the the current PGR, the one that I'm I'm supervising at the moment, I didn't say to them explicitly that I'm using PERMA. But then what I'm receiving from because it was kind of like a deliberate effort in a sense, I just wanna try it out and see what I get out of it. And then the um the feedback that I have from two of the PGR, the current ones. So one of them is saying that um, 
I kind of like really spot their strength and show them ways to kind of almost develop it further and look at further. And for me, I think that's again that because of the lens of the perma, I'm almost like trying to think beyond, let's say, the current skills that they have. What else? How we can uh, amplify things that they are really strong at? If someone, a current PGR, for example, is extremely competent and very strong when it comes to writing, but then I said, okay, can we explore other mediums? Can we look at other ways of because they they kind of like have different stakeholders within their PhD project? And then we started to think, can we map those stakeholders and see what would be the best way to communicate with them? And at the same time, so that will give them almost like additional credit around research communication. So it's not just writing, but they will hopefully develop other areas that it might not be possible if if we didn't spot this strength on them and say you don't need a lot of effort here. Can we try something else? Another feedback that I get, which I think is really great, is the um, one of the PGR is saying that the monthly um, supervision meetings, they are really looking forward to those one because it just it feels extremely useful. They get a lot out of it and they kind of like they always feel they are doing something really important. So again, that for me is really positive feedback because we know sometimes even during my time I had really good. PhD journey and everything, but at some point I was really dreading to go to this monthly meeting because I was just feeling, oh, I haven't done enough. Or, but for me to get, yeah, to get that feedback is very encouraging in a sense. Yeah, and also another kind of a phrase, uh, you are a great source of encouragement. And for me, that encouragement comes because again, I see how they they really value the PhD that they are doing and they have a vision around what, what they want to do after they finish and everything. So for me, I just, I feel, yes, that, that would be another kind of like role of that encouragement and the reminder of what you are doing and, and how this will hopefully make an impact, really positive impact after you finish the PhD. Because I think sometimes it's very difficult to do impact with the PhD itself, but maybe after, yes. <laughs> Do any of your colleagues use the PERMA approach? I mean, have you supported any colleagues uh, or done any mentoring with them on how to support the PhD journey using PERMA? And and if so, what has their feedback been like? OK, so I have um, almost explored the PERMA with two uh, colleagues, one from education uh, perspective or one someone from education. And almost like we set up a meeting, we talked about those dimensions and, and how I'm using them and everything. And they really like the idea. So what I'm doing at the moment with them, it's kind of like an empirical uh, work. So we are planning to use the PERMA to collect some data from um, we. Our starting point is international students who are researching their home country, because I think there are kind of like two dimensions here. So there are dimension of being in the UK, higher education institute and systems. But at the same time, they are navigating another system, which is their home country. And they try, let's say, to collect the data and the ethics and all those kind of stuff. And we thought it will be really useful in that sense. So that's kind of like a, a project that coming with um uh, Dr. Arinola Adifela. And the one, the second uh, colleague who I tried with, or we had, again, we had explored the idea is uh, someone from psychology. So uh, from DMU, Les Co. And we looked at it again. Um, Les is from psychology and uh, from psychology background and also well-being background as well. And then again, we explored the idea. So what we are doing as a 
let's say, as a practical thing, we are actually providing it as a workshop within the research and development here at uh, within the doctoral college. So we just get the approval and everything. And we we're waiting for the timing. So that could be almost, let's say, the um, the idea of kind of let, let's spread it over. Let's say this is a good practice and we can show you how to do it and and so on and so forth. So those are the kind of like the two things coming out of it so far. It sounds like, you know, multiple colleagues are potentially benefiting from the PERMA approach. And, you know, that can only be uh, a good thing, I would suggest, isn't it, for well, just to be thinking about different ways I think so. to support yeah. the PhD journey. Absolutely. For me, yeah. I think it's really I mean, it's all about those options, that idea of, let's say, what are the options available for us, what we can try. And, and this, I think sometimes we need to try things to make a decision. Does it work for me or not? Definitely. And I think this links quite nicely to the next question, because we talked earlier, didn't we, about how there are different stages of a PhD journey, and a student makes a transition from stage to stage to stage. And I think one thing I found when I was a PhD student um, and when I've been a supervisor myself is that the supervisory relationship changes at each of those stages. So, for example, I was quite reliant on my supervisor at the start of my PhD. Um, but after a year or so, I felt like I needed a bit more autonomy because I felt like I was really into it and I knew what I was doing. And, you know, I felt like I knew more about the subject area than, than he did uh, in many ways. Um, yes. And I felt well, I need a bit more you know, control here. Do you think PERMA can support those transitions from stage to stage of the PhD journey? I can say broadly, yes, because again, with we can use that relationship dimension. And again, we can almost like think about at the very start, yes, we have those, you almost like as a supervisor, yes, you do guide everything in a sense, because they are still trying to find their feet. They are to try to ground themselves in a sense, and they, they almost try to understand the system and everything and they understand what a, a PhD is and what would be the final outcome will look like. And and then again, as you said, the point when when the PGR become the expert in their subject because they have studied really, really well and they have looked at the available literature and everything. I think at that stage, then the relationship can be. And, and I remember we talked about this before the recording. We talked about that coaching relationship. Um, and it become almost okay the the mastery of things and looking at things um, from a really kind of like high level perspective rather than let's kind of like go into the details because the PGR at that point they know the details they know the in and out and at that point they need that kind of like wider view they need someone to kind of have a space between the subject itself or the topic itself and the whole process. So they wanted that, let's say, distance in a way. So for me, again, because it's very, let's say, organized or it's very, uh, those dimensions are clear, we can always look into those dimensions and see, okay, at this stage, maybe we need to think about X and Y and Z. And also maybe we can use the achievement one, which is is almost like to get them to that finishing line and to say, okay, this is really kind of like coming together now. Um, if you look at some examples and, and see and and kind of like just try to think about the finishing at the moment and maybe this is you can put it on the kind of like future research rather than researching it again so i think again is it's kind of it will give you that uh, reflection points that kind of like pointers and framework to use in a sense to say 
let's talk about the relationship at this stage maybe let's let's change things or let's adapt things to to fit the needs of the let's say of the pgr and and i think again when when we look at the flourishing because the the idea of perma when applying perma it leads to flourishing um again from the research we know flourishing is very subjective in a sense so it will kind of we know it will change from let's say state to state and i think having something like that and saying even this relationship will change or even the requirements for you now it will change and the frequency of the meeting it might change because we don't need that frequent meetings i think it just it gives a really let's say good um points of discussions and conversation between both the supervisor and the and the pgr yeah we spoke didn't we, before about the kind of coaching related aspects and that was something that always fascinated me about the potential for a coaching approach to phd supervision because i mean i can remember when i was sort of not that far off finishing mine and what i really needed from my supervisor was that ability to take a step back because all of yes. the details and the, mm-hmm. and the and the content and the subject area i knew more than him i'd got to a point where i'd been so um, embroiled in it all for so long that I knew yes. way way more than than they did but perhaps I couldn't see the bigger picture and I kind of needed my yes. my supervisor to take that step back and be able to to see that bigger picture for me in more of a kind of coaching focused way really I think in the beginning when I said I was reliant on him I think I needed more of a mentor somebody to just hold my hand and show me what to do and and this yes. is how to get started and this is yeah you know, even even silly things like you know what do you put in your thesis? You know, what chapters yes. are included? Because I didn't know when I, when I first started mine. I, I just didn't even think about those things. So, you know, if anybody's listening and they want to do a collaborative research project with myself and Amal on coaching as part of the PhD journey, then do get in touch with us. But absolutely. Amal, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you today. Thanks ever so much for being a guest on the Talking, Learning and Teaching podcast. I mean, would you be happy for people to contact you if they wanted to learn more about PERMA and the PhD journey? Absolutely, yes, I would love that. So my, yeah, um, my profile is public, the DMU profile, and also I'm on LinkedIn. So yeah, definitely I'd be interested to kind of try it in different contexts and places and to see what will come out of it. Well, that's no problem at all. In the uh, description for the podcast episode, we can put a little note to get in touch with you if people are interested in finding out a little bit more about PERMA. And I'm pretty sure that there will be lots of people that would be interested to find out more about how that could be used, not just in the PhD journey, but in other aspects of learning and teaching as well. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. That was really, really interesting conversation. Thank you. I, no, I Thank really... you, Amal. I like the podcast and I remember I think one of the things where um where I was kind of like yeah talking about the uh, sharing the podcast with uh, one of the colleagues I remember there was uh, I think an episode about the emotion dimension of learning and I really like that one and for me again when I look at perma because we always oh positive emotions oh how this will kind of come or yeah so I just I thought I thought the the link was really great there in in terms of those dimensions yeah, it's something that's always intrigued me because we often talk about engagement, don't we, as being super important yes. to learning effectively. And I mean, I'm a practitioner of universal design and one of the UDL principles is engagement. But engagement has a very large emotional aspect to it. So, yes. so you know, 
being engaged in anything requires a certain level of emotional investment. You know, we often talk about engagement being attached to uh, attention and commitment. We talk about it broadly about being, you know, linked to motivation as well. But, you know, when you're highly motivated, there is an emotional investment in that. And, yes. and conversely, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed or demotivated or nervous or anxious, there is equally an emotional investment in that. So I think the emotional dimension of learning is certainly something that has always fascinated me. And the key thing with all that is that we have a, a huge role to play in how our learners feel in, in given learning scenarios, whether they are PhD students that are on that journey or they are first year students on their first undergraduate degree. What we do with them and, and how we support them and how we build relationships with them is going to make them feel in a particular way and that's going to impact on on how effective they fa effectively they learn so yes yeah. models like perma i'm always quite fascinated by the possibilities that might exist with those sorts of things yes yeah great i think there is lots of future possibilities hopefully <laughs> there is well thanks again amal for being on the show it's been an absolute pleasure thanks again thank you kevin